This is The Other 14 Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Other 14 podcast, the only podcast that forgets all about the so-called Big Six and focuses just on the other 14 teams of the Premier League. And our first team is gone. After 36 games of the 22-23 Premier League season, Southampton are the first team to be relegated. This week, eventually, I am joined by Tom. Hello, Reese. The first team, in other words, is back. Exactly. Our star man, our MVP, is back on the job. Um, Tom, just a quick one. How was your holiday? How are you doing? I'm not too bad. For those uh, listeners who are slightly worried about uh, where I was or where my, what my appearance was all, or disappearance was all about, so I've been in Australia slash Singapore for like the last couple of weeks. So I'm good. I'm rested, just severely jet-lagged, but ready to get back to it. Fantastic. Well, it's good to have you back after uh, after two weeks of just me. I'm sure everyone is more than keen to have. I will make a very good point that Reese has done a stellar job. So, for those listening oh. to the pod, just give yourself a little bit of a clap, just a bit of a round of applause. Reese is very much tapping himself on the back oh. right now. Oh, thank you very much. That is uh, very kind of you to say so. Well, before we get into the big talking points of the game week, Tom, over to you with the classified results. Here are the classified results for match week 36 of the Premier League 22-23 season. Leeds United 2, Newcastle United 2, Aston Villa 2, 1, 2, Nottingham Forest 2, Crystal Palace 2, AFC Bournemouth 0, 2, Wolverhampton Wanderers 0, Southampton 0, Fulham 2, Brentford 2, West Ham United 0, Everton 0, 3, 0, Brighton and Hogarvian 3. And we have a late kickoff this Monday evening. We have Leicester up against Liverpool and a catch up fixture on the Thursday sees Newcastle playing host to Brighton. That's a half seven kickoff. Tom, thank you very much for those results. Um, some really interesting ones. But let's let's jump in straight into the big matter of the week. After three managers and a £120 million spend, Southampton are making their return to the Championship after 10 years of life in the Premier League. In that time, they've had the highs of finishing in sixth position and going on a European campaign in 2016-17. Tom, I guess my biggest question for you is, what impact have Southampton had in the Premier League in the last decade? For me, and this may be a bit unfair, but they've been nothing more than a platform for up-and-coming players and managers, and ultimately, it's got them absolutely nowhere. I wouldn't disagree with that. I think if you look at the long and short, if you bookend basically Southampton stay um, since returning, what was it, 2012, 2013, um, under yeah, Nigel Adkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously the relegation under Ruben Sellers, but I wouldn't say under Ruben Sellers, I think it was more to do down with um, the middleman in charge. But anyway, we digress from that. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree, you know, a multiple uh, amount of players that have sort of been and gone um, from Southampton during their sort of return slash um extended period of stay, I think some might call it, um, in the Premier League, the likes of Sadio Mane, Virgil van Dijk, those sort of names come to mind. Then sort of like the Liverpool um, sort of farm sort of came in and it was the likes of Adam Alana, Ricky Lambert, Stan Lovren, um, what other names come to mind? Well, the likes of Luke Wanyama, Shaw. Luke Shaw. Um, at, uh, recently, Hoiberg obviously went to Tottenham after being there. Dusan Tadic, who then went on to Ajax. play for Ajax in the Champions League yep. semi-finals. Um, Toby Alderweireld, they brought him into the country before he then went on to Spurs. Yeah, the the list is crazy. It's an extensive and, list, mm. and I I think what Southampton have done 
in the first sort of part of their stay in the Premier League was very much shown how it, it, it can be done. New new club coming up. And let's not forget, like the Southampton side came up, um, I think, I'm trying to remember how it worked for them. They were definitely a League One club very early on in the last decade. Um, and then basically that jump from Championship up to Premier League happened very quickly as well. Um, yeah. It was very much a club on the up. And then under the lights of Mauricio Pochettino and Ronald Koeman really established themselves as a well sort of set middle middle ground side in the Premier League. And then, like you've mentioned already, had a spell in the Europa League one season, I think, where they didn't get through the qualifying stages. And then the following season under Claude Puel made it, well, they didn't make it out of the groups, but they were in the group stage as a result of, I think, other clubs, well, some of the big six getting um, sort of domestic silverware. Um, so I think they've shown a template to the likes of, I don't know, Brighton, um, potentially Brentford as well. The, what is the like the template to this sort of middle ground club, sort of 30,000 seat stadium with sort of community feel to it to sort of establish yourself in, in the league, expand, grow, and then just potentially go on for that. But they just, there, there was a weird point with Southampton where they just sort of stopped growing. They stopped expanding and they stopped developing and they just ever since sort of like 2016 17 they've just taken a steady decline and for the last sort of what five seasons have just constantly embattling relegation yeah and it's a case of they were kind of that up and as you're saying that uh upcoming flying team of that kind of mid-size team of well they got finishes of um six uh eighth seventh sixth and eighth in cons- four consecutive seasons yeah under as you mentioned, Poch, Komen and Claude Puel. And then it kind of just stagnated. And for me, I see an element of similarity to before um, before Fulham went and got relegated in 2013-14, mm. they had a lot of those kind of mid-table finishes for such yeah. a prolonged period of time where it was a case of, oh, we're doing fine, oh, we're doing fine, up until the point where suddenly it doesn't all go fine and they're not in a good place. Obviously, and... I suppose it's one of those things and I always looked at and I know not many teams that aren't kind of big six can talk about winning silverware. Even some of the teams in the big six can't talk about winning silverware. But I suppose it's what do you achieve in that time? Are you just happy continually like staying in, staying in the Premier League, getting some good results every now and then, maybe causing the odd upset, but realistically not achieving much? Like Fulham didn't, apart from, and I'll give it to Fulham when they got their Europa League final against Atletico yeah. under Hodgson. Other than that, they had a good like 15 years of just, oh, we're mid-table achieving nothing, apart from the fact that they can say we're in the Premier League. Yeah, And it kind of felt like this has been the way for, obviously Southampton got some higher up finishes. And then as you say, since then, it's kind of been like, oh, we're in the Premier League, that's enough. Yeah, and there's never been a kick on. There's not been a kick on, and yeah. I think a lot of teams, a lot of the teams, can probably find themselves guilty of it to an extent of taking Premier League football for granted, but also not setting their aspirations high enough to go and kick on. Yeah, and I think that, and I think a lot of teams can become complacent, and but I think Southampton is almost what's happened is that they had a model that worked, they then either didn't stick to it or it didn't evolve. And then it's kind of all fallen apart from them. Um, yeah, and they've let other clubs sort of take over what they was trying to do in the first place. So that time exactly. period was sort of what sixteen, seventeen. God, who would have been in the league at that that time? Well, um, you probably would have had only a few seasons of Brighton, but that would have been a Brighton yeah. struggle. I think maybe Wolves Brentford just before that. Time. Yeah, you would. Yeah, uh, you would. But obviously, you mentioned Brentford have come up in the last yeah. couple of seasons and done a good there's, job. There's teams that have effectively them. taken over their sort of mantle as this sort of like mid-table expanding up to like the higher echelons of the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, and it, it just—I suppose it's sad for me in that it's ten years. But can what can Southampton fans turn around and say? Oh yeah, that was really good of those ten years in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I, I mean, don't, I, don't, I, don't. I, I reckon it, it, it might be at least one fair, yeah. but. They still had about a, a five year sort of stint where they were experiencing, you know, European football. They were sort of going deep into domestic competitions. They were having sort of high finishings well, well, in the Premier well, League. Did they ever that... go, I, I don't have the stats, but did they ever go that far into 
domestic competitions? Um, I don't Gork recall Gork ever going. Um, they went to the League Cup semi final, uh, League Cup final, didn't they, against Man United? Zlatan had a couple of goals, I think, in that, that game yeah. to basically still mm. United the win. But yeah, under Jose, yeah, yeah, I remember that now. But yeah, I suppose it's a case of I don't know, so it's maybe not just a Southampton issue, but looking at the teams in general, going, we've kind of criticized over the season of like laughing almost at the nature of like Fulham and Norwich being yo yo teams, and it's kind of like, well, is is that not a better way of existing? Because you actually win a lot at one point and you get a promotion or you might get a big doubt at Wembley in a playoffs or just sitting in the Premier League doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. What, I was, what is better for what yeah. is better for a fan? I was like, sort of a great season where you yeah. can like for, for Norwich, for example, obviously it hasn't worked out for them this season, but when they were yo-yoing, they'd obviously come up to the Premier League, maybe win, maybe win 10 games, if that or yeah. so, and then ultimately get relegated but then when they get relegated they go on a season where they can absolutely smash out the championship get some phenomenal results what what is better for a fan i don't know it's it's a really tough one i'm not yeah, saying I, that the dream is to constantly yo-yo and use those parachute payments because it does it, you can't guarantee for it to work consistently with the growing talent of the championship no i get that but as I a fan that. what what would what what would you prefer i um, think yeah obviously on, on the know. one hand you'd have the knowledge of your existence in the Premier League, which sort of on one hand sounds good because you you know you can you can compete at that level, but then on the second hand, yeah, you know, just the fact that you're just existing, it just it sounds a little bit depressing yeah, actually. It, um, like, what what does it get you? Turn it doesn't, going, it doesn't oh, really twice, get you anywhere. Whereas, twice a season we lose four 0 to Man City. Yeah, although on, on the other hand, you, you know if you're just constantly yo-yoing, obviously you have one depressing season of just being absolutely crap and ended up being relegated first hand. And then the following season, you have a really good season where you're watching attractive football and win, potentially winning some silverware, i.e. the championship trophy, um, or even a playoff trophy even, um, which shouldn't be a thing, by the way. But anyway, I digress from that. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's a weird one. Um, I, I think I would still prefer I, I... to see my club being in a situation where I know that they're the quality to be in the top dogs league as opposed to being sort of just on that middle ground between the second tier and the first tier. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I suppose that the wider thing is also looking at where do teams in that middle ground, where do they expand? Because as we've shown, unless you get Saudi backing like Newcastle have, it's really hard to break into that yeah. into that big unit at the top and get Champions League football. Really difficult. And Champions League football, once again, these teams that go into it, like Newcastle, they may surprise me and go and win it. But realistically, they're probably going to have the group games, great nights at St. James's, and then probably get through to the knockouts, first round, second round. You never know. Um, they've got a good squad. They could probably beat any, They could beat loads of teams. But for most, for most other teams, yeah. But for the likes of Brighton and that, that's unrealistic. And I suppose it's a case of where like the Europa League and the Conference League actually do offer that kind of position where you are playing teams more on your level on a consistent basis. Because as much yeah, you can have a domestic cup run, that's going back through the most recent domestic cup wins. They're mostly won by Man City, Man U, Chelsea, Arsenal, that's Liverpool yeah. over the last over the last decade. So I think those European those European nights do offer that great opportunity for those kind of middle clubs to really push on and have a level of excitement. But then you do have the burden of it does put pressure on your Premier League season as well. Yeah. So I don't know. It, I, I suppose it's just where do clubs want to be? What is their overall aim? Is it to, oh, we want to finish eighth or is it we want to win something? And I don't know. I think Southampton got the eighth bit, nailed it for a couple of seasons, but unfortunately it's just not worked out long-term for them to be able to build a sustainable, like, I don't. Know, I suppose it was sustainable up until it was sustainable. Up to a point, season. I think I just obviously kept losing. Well, last season, yeah, last season it looked shaky, and then this season it's uh, all gone wrong. And, and to be to be honest, for me, the the relegation is an absolute culmination of just poor decisions made at the highest level of the club. Oh, like absolutely. A, first and biggest error should never have sacked Ralph Hasenhutel. I think a, hindsight's uh, a wonderful hindsight. thing, but like, yes, I get that you can. 
you can sack a manager, yes. It's been done loads. It's been a lot this season. But you need to spot who you're going to get and whether they'll be good. Why would you bring in a manager who has no Premier League experience whatsoever? And obviously, it's worked for Brighton, but yeah. they obviously had the... They picked out Deserbi as a manager who had that European talent who had been done in other leagues, mm. not at the high, not, not at a level like the Premier League, because the Premier League is fairly unique like that. But to bring in Nathan Jones was immediately the worst was, mistake they could have done. It was a, a huge risk, and ultimately it hasn't paid off for them. Um, and I think even Nathan Jones has said that was a massive learning curve for him himself. But I think he has a level, and so does you know Southampton. Unfortunately, that, it just, that, it just that it didn't also work. Sat a, that sat a bit wrong for me, the fact that Nathan Jones went on Sky Sports News effectively the day of Southampton sacking to be yeah. interviewed about his time there. That felt a little bit dirty, to be honest. Well, I mean, um, he was it was being into, I think it was what the um championship playoff sort of coverage, wasn't it? Um for what was it, Loon against Sunderland the other day. Um obviously Loon being his ex his ex club, but yeah. naturally that question is gonna be asked. Um yeah, it's it just the nature of media, but yeah, it just felt a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, for Southampton, could the players have been better? Possibly. But Southampton were looking to invest in youth this season and they brought in a lot of young players. Yeah. And they, they did spend a fair bit of money. They spent they a size of the got, money. Yeah, because they brought in, um, I suppose, Aribo, Bazuma, Anachu up top. I can't even name all of them. But it add up. It's like 100 odd, 120 million, which is great if you stay in the Premier League and you're able to double down and expand on that kind of small team lack of experience. Yeah. But they weren't able to kick on. And um, I suppose looking forward now is, will will they bounce back? It's, well, it's really tough. Are, the, are they even yeah. going to keep sellers? To what extent? Well, this is, this is the to question that I think needs to be answered because ultimately sellers hasn't changed anything any of the fortunes at the club and I think there's just been a level of frustration I think you know we've, we've both picked up on the fact that James Ward-Prowse did an interview um to I can't remember who the outlet was um after the after the game um but basically saying that you know this entirety of the season we've just we could have done a lot more um there's a lot been left out there on the pitch that we could have easily done I think the attitude has probably been right but no, I, I think he, part of that is the captain trying to take responsibility, which I think is really noble. He is a little bit. Um, but again, I think there's a little bit of just not something not quite right. Obviously, obviously it's not quite right because they've been relegated. Um, but Sellers hasn't changed the fortune at the club. Do Southampton no. persist with him at the championship or do they go for someone who is experienced at that championship level? I suppose it's what what is their model? What what are they looking to do? Are they looking to keep on this like Southampton wave and trying to do it the right way by nurturing youth and inexperience and developing people through mm. and being that platform, but benefiting from that platform? Or do you just go, oh, well, if Leeds sack Big Sam, shall we just get Big Sam in because he'll almost guarantee his promotion straight away? Yeah, but that's a very short-term view, isn't it? Well, e- exactly. That's my point. It's like, what, what are Southampton looking to achieve from this? Because at the moment... Looking no, at I've just suddenly thought, bit on. of a left field view. Would if Sellers isn't the man to take them forward, would Graham Potter take that job? I think Graham Potter, out of the teams that stay up in the Premier League, he could probably get a job with one of them if they don't decide to keep on their manager. Mm. I, I, I agree with that. But if the opportunity were to erode and there wasn't a Premier League spot, would that? Be, I think that would be an ideal suitor. It would. I just think because it's a similar mold. I suppose it's the risk. It, it it's the risk reward, right? In that, yeah, he could go there if it like after the Chelsea saga. If it all goes wrong, he won't get a job for ages. It's almost like when when Moyes got sacked by Manu, he went to Spain, had a torrid time, and then got picked up. But, well, then Sunderland, then Sunderland Spain, and then West it just Ham, yeah. wasn't picked up until West Ham were really desperate. Yeah, and it's a case of is he if it do, if he doesn't get promoted in that first season with Southampton, that's firstly a second season in the Championship, and also to what extent that does that damage his reputation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, at the moment, I think a lot of people would give him the benefit of the doubt and go Chelsea's a well, I would anyway. Turn and go Chelsea's a mess. That's not on him. Yeah. But of course, this is all sort of um, 
this is all hypothetical, yeah. of course. So, but yeah, it, it, in theory, I think it's not a um, it's it's not a bad fit. It's not a bad suggestion. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be a bad fit. I just think he possibly has. If I was Southampton, I'd try and get him. But I just yeah. think if I'm growing Potter, I wouldn't necessarily jump at the opportunity of going to Southampton. Oh no. Yeah. Or maybe they could employ Latisse as a club legend and an absolute lunatic. As a little bit of a lunatic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he would actively try and get all his uh, players to have the vaccine withdrawn out their system. Probably what's not relegated. Obviously, we do <laughs> not condone that sort of behaviour at all. No, no, of course not. Okay, well, Southampton. So, Tom, yes or no? Will Southampton bounce back straight? Go on, give me your judgment. But no. actually, you know, firstly. No, and will they keep Sellers? Also no. Okay. Will they keep Ward-Prowse? They'll try, but again, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, it's all looking rather bleak for the Southampton fans, but at least next season they'll win more games than they will this season. So, well, you Challenge so accepted. Anyway. <laughs> you would really hope, You'd yeah. really hope no, so. I, I say they, they've got a young team that I don't think loads of them will be looking to jump ship that, straight uh, away. I think that's so. the thing, whether or not they can keep the, the, the crux of that group together, because I think we've discussed it a few like a number of times like, this, this season. Uh, they I'm, play, I'm nice, they like, play nice for nice football, but it just hasn't won them games. Like, like looking at their squad, the likes of Alcaraz, Aribo, Walcott. I think they'll find it hard to keep hold of Alcaraz. Oh, yeah, I do. But I think yeah. like they could all have an absolute field day in the championship at times. Oh, God, um, yeah. But, but we'll see. Anyway, moving on to the other results of the Premier League this game week. Um, Big Sam picked up a vital point at home to Newcastle in a four-goal thriller, which saw Christensen via Trippier get an equaliser late on in the game to cancel out Wilson's brace of penalties. Um, Tom, does this hurt Newcastle more than it helps Leeds in their respective battles at the top and the bottom of the table? I would say it's a mixture of both. I don't think it helps Leeds out in the slightest because I think they... Other than a confidence builder, it's not much to go from. I agree with you there. It's having... I think Sammy's having a bit of an effect and I think Leeds are going in the right direction. I have a bit more of a grit about them now. Um... But at the, mo- at the at the time of recording, they are obviously still very much in the relegation zone. And obviously, Leicester still to play tonight. Um, so as of the end of the week, they will still remain in the relegation zone. Um, also on the Newcastle front, they're still in the prime position for the Champions League spots. Although Liverpool are very much the team on the up as it stands, yeah. um, and Newcastle and it's very snug between them and Man U as well. Yeah, obviously mm. Newcastle losing to Arsenal last week and then only drawing against Leeds. It's it's a few drop points and you start to think, oh, can Newcastle... Are, are Newcastle just sort of falling away a little bit. Yeah, it looks um, from a nailed-on position to a slightly... Yeah. So I don't think the result has sort of helped anyone. I think Le- it's probably helped Leeds a little bit more because I think they're showing a bit of sign that they, they are up for the fight. Fair enough, yeah. And um, Obviously, the okay. mis- and by Bamford hasn't helped. Oh, um, such a bad penalty. Yeah. Um, so, like genuinely, if if I just, if Leeds are to stay up, they need a striker. What 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 I what I did like though was Big Sam's celebration after Luke Ayling's goal. He went full like he went full. Edmund. He loved it. It like uh, he, he, he was acting as if he was like twenty one again. Yeah. Uh, Good on Big Sam. Yeah. Um, and then at Stamford Bridge, we can laugh again at the mega squad that Chelsea have assembled, and yet again couldn't get three points off of an other 14 side. Um, Tom, we'll talk later about uh, Forrest, but um, can you give me your best condescending let's mock Chelsea laugh, please? <laughs> that was terrible, but anyway, <laughs> that's what I'm going to use. That, that's good enough. Um, I think, um, once again, Chelsea, brilliant, can't, can't just awful. Um, Palace almost overtaking them. Chelsea are going to probably, well, finish I think, bottom yeah, half of the Ch- tape. Chelsea are near enough confirmed as finishing in the bottom half now. Yeah, and after it's, it's unfortunate they did beat um, Bournemouth the other week because that would have also um, put pressure on them. But mm. I suppose well, well done Chelsea on scoring two goals in a Premier League game, and that's a three and a two back-to-back games game week. So well done them. Um, yeah, and well, speaking of Southampton, um, Potts used his platform and uh, is now at, is been confirmed as manager. So we'll see. I can hear the Tottenham fans crying as we speak. 
Yeah, hopefully that goes really badly for them next season. Okay. Well, since we've only got two or three games in some cases left of the season, Tom, um, last week I kind of did a brief overview of looking at the teams who are in that relegation battle. Yes. But I think with two games left, let's put some actual, like nail some decisions to the mast and, mast and some opinions. So let's go a quick run through of the teams that are still potentially relegatable. Tough. Once again, could be West Ham resting players for 
a, a potential European final. Um, and Newcastle still desperate for points in that top four run. So yeah. we, we'd Leicester being on only on with yeah, with Leicester being only on thirty points. Um they they definitely need one win out of those three games. May I certainly need to win at least two out of three. I think four points could be manageable for them. Um so I've got all the of there are nine fixtures that are of significance now for the rest of the season in this relegation battle. Yeah. So we're just gonna we're just gonna rush through them, and you're gonna tell me whether the the, the other fourteen side is gonna get the points, and we'll work out then who you think is gonna. Be, well, we we can discuss it. We can discuss okay. this. Leicester at home to Liverpool tonight. Are Leicester gonna get any points? Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't like predicting, but oh well. Um, I I would say a point. What, you think one point for Leicester? Yeah. Okay. Um, then Wolves v Everton. So Everton away at Molyneux this weekend coming up. Wolves win. Wolves win. So Everton get zero. Um, Nottingham Forest at home to Arsenal. Their final home game, uh, home game at the City Ground. Arsenal obviously having taken that hit against Brighton, are they going to bounce back and thump them or are they going to be very feeling very sorry for themselves and lick their wounds for 90 minutes? It's going to be tough for the city ground, but I think Arsenal will just have one last go. Arsenal win. So nothing for Forrest there. West Ham at home to Leeds, the final home game of the season for, um, for West Ham, obviously inviting former manager Sam Allardyce back. Leeds desperately need some points um west ham obviously after thursday will know their fate whether they'll be in a euro european final or not so that could factor in again i think although will you be resting players because i don't know what the gap is between i'm going to say the conference league the conference league final is after the final game of the season but obviously they would be playing that they would have played. They're playing Thursday they and then playing yeah. Sunday against Leeds. So, yeah, okay. I so think West Ham, Ham are getting West Ham are getting the three. Um, Newcastle at home to Leicester this um, this weekend. Newcastle win. Newcastle win. So nothing for Leicester there. Um, then we have Palace at home to Nottingham Forest in the final game week. Nottingham Forest, you're saying aren't beating Arsenal, so they're on thirty four points. They could potentially need something here. I'd say draw. Draw, so you think Forrest will get one point at Palace on the final day of the season. Everton at home to Bournemouth. Everton win. Final games. Everton win. So Everton are getting three there. Okay, Leeds at home to Tottenham. Final game of the season, Elland Road. Tottenham potentially playing for some European positioning but also they're rubbish so just to throw a little bit of like a, a hand grenade to the mix I'm going to Leeds win you think Big Sam will get three points at home I to think top? It, yeah typical Big Sam performance 1-0 just uh, absolutely I would scrap absolute, it I would absolutely love that and then finally Leicester at home to West Ham final game of the season here uh, Leicester win Leicester win, so you think they're going to do the league double over West Ham this season? So your 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 totals here. Yeah. So you've given Forest to finish on thirty five points. Yeah. Everton to finish on thirty five points. Yeah. Leeds to finish on thirty four. Yeah. And Leicester to finish on thirty four. So you pretty much. You're saying how it is right now. I, I generally think that's, be with Leeds that's the bottom and three. Going down. Yeah, I think that's the bottom three. Southampton. That'd be brutal if Leicester pick up four points from their final three and then still don't do it. And then Big Sam getting a point. Again. I've just not seen mm. enough from Leicester to, to change my mind that they're going to get relegated, unfortunately. It is interesting, though, how you've got for um, West Ham, obviously, being a deciding team here, playing both... Um, Leicester and Leeds, who are those two teams scrapping out at the bottom. Um, well, so Tom, you you have said here, here and now, Leeds and Leicester relegated. Let's yeah. see how these final results do play out over 
the next game weeks. Tom, after uh, after the week before last now, it was always going to be a step down in terms of goal volume after those absolutely crazy bank holiday fixtures. Um, but we still do have a, some good games to pick from in this week's Goal of the Week. Goal of the Week. So, Tom, um, some real highlight fixtures there, including Brighton's win over uh, Arsenal. But can you tell me what your shortlist for this uh, this week's Goal of the Week is? You know what? It's a very short one this week. Um, I've not been I, too I've got, impressed I've got five. by the quality. I've, I've got, got three. Oh, so okay. We'll, we'll see. I've what been a bit more lenient than you. Yeah. Okay. Um, and two of the goals are effectively the same player as well. So effectively, I've got two players on this list. Oh, so um, um, Eze, Eze features I, twice thanks to his brace against Bournemouth. Okay, um, I've his first one, which is a you know lovely little turn by Zaha to lose his defenders, uh, and then the little flick on Bahayu, and then Eze basically just finishes the whole move off. So effectively, a nice little team goal from Crystal Palace there to put them. I think it was the first goal in the game. I'm going to say, yeah, that. W- yeah, that was their first. Um, and then Eze scores again. Um, by the way, absolutely brilliant crossfield ball from Michael Aliso, who's absolutely playing out of his skin at the moment. Like his assist levels are just through the roof right now. Um, for whatever reason, he doesn't yet appear in my fantasy team though, so that's kind of annoying. Um, oh well, it's just shit management by me. Um, but then yeah, Eze cuts inside from the edge of the box and just basically lets rip uh, and puts Bournemouth. Uh, sorry, puts Crystal Palace. Um, I think it must have been two or three goals at that point, I think. I'm trying to remember who else scored. Is it 3-1? That was 2-0. That oh, was 2-0. The so game finished 2-0. Yeah. 2-0, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, got Crystal Palace, the, uh, the confirmed win up against the Cherries. Uh, and then Douglas Louise's goal direct from the free kick against Spurs. I love it when just, you know, it was a lo- lovely little one. Um, just to basically put Spurs right on the back foot as they should be because they're playing shite. My only issue with the Douglas Soy's free kick is that it was nowhere near top bins and Forster should have done so much better than it. Yeah, it? but it's direct it, free kick. It was, it, was, but it, it was at a comfortable height and yeah. he got so much on it. Um, I suppose, well, my others that um, you, which are nominations and I, don't, I think the best goal's already been mentioned, but um, I think Brighton's, Brighton's second where they press really well as a team, force an error. And then I can't was it, remember. Was it Undav's um, lob over? And Undav's lob. Just yeah. the way it came to him quite quickly. It was really good press in midfield. Arsenal lost the ball. And just the way he just, it's such a brilliant, just little dink over the yeah. top. Yeah, no, you're right. Absolute yeah. quality I, finish. It was, a good, it was a good goal. And then I, and then also in the Villa game, I think Villa's opener, um, I just think it was a really well-worked goal with a really good pullback for Jacob Ramsey to then finish off the move. I thought it was just one of those good kind of collective team team goals yeah and then I'm, I'm surprised i'm surprised you didn't mention the big serb himself alexander mitrovic back for his uh yeah i completely his forgot first... his, his band was done i completely forgot back for his first so so did i back for his first goal um after after missing out after well um mildly assaulting a referee the diving header, it, was it from miles out? No, but it was just quite quick reactions. The ball came low. He'd only been on the pitch for a ma- matter of minutes and just nods it in. Just a standard Mitrovic mad. header or standard Mitrovic goal just a fox in the box. Yeah. Yeah, just, just the way he got down quite quickly. Diving header left, um, left the Saints keeper, Bazunu, with absolutely no chance. Um, then that was pretty much the final nail in the coffin for yes. Southampton. 2-0. Yeah. They weren't getting anything back then. If anything, 2-0, it could have been much more based on the highlights. I think Fulham were absolutely all over them for large swathes of the game. Um, but then I do agree with you. Um, I wasn't as wild by Eze's first, but Eze's second, as you say, cross your ball, brilliantly taken down, cuts in, curls it into top corner. Yeah, um, It's not my decision, but that for me was the best goal of the game week. Um, and that I concur with you. That, that, is, that is this week's goal of the week. I can't think of any others. That, neither can I. It was, uh, well, n- none that can compete on that level. Some very no. good goals, but that was just absolute standout. So well done, Eze, on your goal of the week. 
So Tom, while you were gone, there was a, some there were some movements in in the Fab Four contest, but still we've we've you kept it reasonably close going into these fixtures. You had well, I had a lead of seven points, which has been that kind of it's been hovering around that mark that mark for a while. Yeah, um, we obviously had that really good game week the other week, and then last week we were pretty we poor, the and then this. Yeah, and then this week, um, well, let's quickly run through them. So for Leeds v Newcastle, you you thought Big Sam was going to steal a point, and uh, you got that. Well, you put one wall, Trust. and the game was two all, so you, you got a point there. I thought Newcastle were just going to uh, steamroll them, so nothing for me. Then at Selhurst Park, Palace v Bournemouth, um, you thought Bournemouth were going to walk away yeah. with something against Hodgson's win. Yeah. You, you went for a two on. I went for a three two. Palace. It was just the two nil. So a point for me there. Southampton v Fulham. Um, we both went for a Fulham win. We both got the margin of the win correct, but I went for the two nil. You went for three one, and it was obviously that two nil oh, win no. for Fulham. So that was three points for me. But all's not lost to you there, Tom. Um. Brentford v West Ham at the Community Stadium. I thought, you know what, well, West Ham might just have a little bit of a resurgence and just get steal a point there to all but ultimately guarantee their safety. And I went for a one-all. I did not get that correct at all. You went for the correct score of two nil. Obviously, knowing that Frank was uh, not going to have um, Tony involved in the game at all, and then it was going to be a whistle at and Mbwemo involvement on those two goals. Yeah. Which, once again, I think is, just looking at that fixture, um, obviously Tony is the star man at Brentford, but Wisson and Mbwemo have been absolutely fantastic all season. And the fact that Tony's not in for one game and them two just grab a goal each is... Yeah. I, I mean, I, it, I, yeah, I, that sums up Brentford the way they've gone about it this I, season. I really rate both of them. And I think what helps Brentford is that because Tony is such the big name that they can go under the radar. And I don't think they're going to get loads of teams trying to pick up with Sun and Bromo. No. Even though I think even though I think they could both quite easily go for like based on the current market and 40 million, which sounds crazy, but I think that's that's really that's based on right. this. Yeah. Um, mm. We should make a quick mention that uh, congratulations to Thomas Frank for his uh, 100th win in charge of Brentford. That is uh, quite remarkable. Obviously, includes some uh, champ because he came up with them from the championship. Oh, from the champ, he? yeah. But still, he, over he's picked up so many good, not just wins, but so many good wins over the last two seasons, and being able to establish Brentford as that as one of that kind of cluster of um, kind of seventh down to tenth teams with a, a team with probably a relatively small operating budget compared to a lot of the um, a lot of the rest of the table and also just the development of talent there is absolutely remarkable so yeah, yeah I guess the one thing that I have to sort of keep Franklin. in mind of is that the latest rumours regarding who Spurs might want to appoint as their next manager in the circus that is Tottenham Hotspur um, is Thomas Frank that is the rumour going around well I, I think to be honest looking at both Brighton and Brentford anyone who's looking for a manager you would be looking at Frank or um, Jervy if I'm yeah. honest so, um, but to be honest, I, I why would you want to leave? Would be my why would you thoughts. want to go to Spurs? Well, it's a Spurs that potentially without Harry Kane as well. So, yeah. who knows? Um, but yeah, hopefully they do stay and really do build on what they've achieved so exactly. far with those teams. Well, before we go on to predicting our Fab Four fixtures for the upcoming game week, Tom, can you please tell us what games we have to look forward to in game week 37? So here are the fixtures for the upcoming game. It's game week 37 of this year's Premier League. So to kick us off on the Saturday, it's the lunchtime kickoff. It's Spurs against Brentford. Then the beginning of the three o'clocks, we have Bournemouth up against Manchester United. It's Fulham playing host to Crystal Palace. It's the Steven Gerrard derby between Liverpool and Aston Villa. And then it's the Connor Cody derby between Wolves and Everton. And then the evening kickoff at half five sees Nottingham Forest going up against Arsenal. Then the Super Sunday as follows. West Ham United go up against Leeds in the Sam Allardyce derby. It's Brighton up against Southampton in the South Coast fixture. Then the Monday night football sees Newcastle going up against Leicester. And then Wednesday sees some of the makeup fixtures uh, in this double game week. It's Brighton up against Manchester City. Tom, thank you very much for those fixtures. Okay, so let's get straight into it. 
Fab Four, you've got two game weeks. You've got eight games to close a seven-point gap. Um, no, no pressure, but I'm really I'm gonna, looking I'm forward gonna to use that. an old verb that I, I've not used probably since secondary school, and I'm going to wig in it, I think. You're going to wig in it? Well, <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. I think, uh, okay, well, God, you know what? It, I think it is doable. We've had we've had some big game weeks before, so. But I think you're very much relying on getting exact score lines now. Where yep. I think if you were if you were to put a pound on all your scores and getting them correct, uh, you'd probably make a good amount of money. Make so a good amount of money. Let's start off. Wolves versus Everton. Everton desperate for points at this stage of the season. Wolves very good at home. Um, Everton, I think, will be desperate for the three points. Although I think, but Wolves think... will will Wolves win another at home because they're on a really hot streak at home. Like they're can... on a hot streak, and why would that's that change? Why that would that fortress? change? Because because they're Wolves. Yeah, you, you're not. They are consistently inconsistent. I'm, that is true. Um, but I will fancy a Wolves two Everton one result in that game. Two one. Um... Oh, let's make it interesting because uh, I, I think you're right. I think Wolves will probably win it, but I'm going I'm to say Sean Dyche that kind of relegation now win not today, sir, and they're going to push on. I reckon it's going to be a one nil Everton result. Oh, okay. Okay. Then West Ham at home to Leeds. Obviously, Big Sam making his way to the London Stadium to face off against a team he bought into the Premier League and now he's facing relegation out of the Premier League with Leeds. So it's a tough one. West Ham would have played on the Thursday. They could be an absolutely loving life if they do. And the crowd could be absolutely behind them if they do get a result away at Alkmaar on that Thursday, getting them the Conference League final position. Or if they lose that game or yeah, if they lose that game and don't qualify, it could be a really sour environment. So I think a lot of it pin... I think this result almost hinges on the Thursday night result more than anything else. But I'm going to say a tired West Ham are going to produce a 1-0 win there. Yeah, I'm sort of on the same lines of thinking. I think it's going to be a very close game, naturally, um, going up against any Sam on the side. It's always going to be a tough fixture. Uh, a bit of a scrappy fixture. Um, I'm on the same lines of thinking in terms of I think West Ham will win, although I think the scoreline will be slightly different. I'm going to go West Ham 2, Leeds 1. 2-1. You don't see Fabianski keeping a clean sheet. To be honest, looking at the way West Ham defended against Brentford, surprised if they ever get a clean sheet ever again. Okay, <laughs> then we have Brighton v Southampton. That South Coast derby. Brighton pushing for that European place. Um, up for grubs for them and Southampton very much gone um, I suppose it's a case of how many Brighton going to win by and will Southampton score uh, yeah pretty much um, I think Southampton well literally they are only playing for pride at this point they are relegated to the stands and it realistically I can't see any of the players getting up for this so I can only see a Brighton side picking up a win Brighton side that's still very much pushing, pushing for European places um, I will go for a 3 0. 3 0 Brighton. Um, I'm gonna go for a because oh, they're playing midweek, aren't they? They they have it, they've had pretty much midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend for yeah, good just to make up for all those fixtures where they had that good FA Cup run. And I'm gonna say a 2 0 Brighton. A solid 2 uh, yeah, solid yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And then we have Newcastle who uh, I'm going to say must win this at this stage if they want to if they want to be comfortable qualifying for Champions League. And I think if they were to not qualify, it'd be a really disappointing season for them after how well they've played for m- most of it. At home to Leicester, Leicester, who you said are getting relegated. You've got to go for a Newcastle win here because that's what you said earlier in the... Yeah, actually <laughs> yeah. So I, I think... I don't think Newcastle will slip up again. Leicester just haven't been good enough. I'm going to say it's going to be a 3-2 Newcastle win. Yeah, 3-2. Okay. Mm -hmm. Leicester naturally will not keep a clean sheet, um, as I've already mentioned in this pod. 
Um, I imagine it, I imagine their final two games of the season they kept clean sheets to stay up. Oh, after I've or said final, this, I'm fully final, expecting less to keep oh, clean sheet tonight. Oh, okay. Because do Liverpool like Monday nights? Or is it... Uh, uh, no, we hate Monday nights and we hate going that... to the King Power. As that's been the recent sort of run. Oh, so so tonight Leicester are going to win 2-0 and guarantee... Well, I said a draw, <laughs> so I reckon it'd be one all. But okay, anyway. fair enough. Um, yeah, I can only... I think, depending obviously how other fixtures go, obviously you had the Everton losing Wolves. This probably won't be the final now in the coffin, but it feels like it will be. Um, Newcastle really going to push for it. Um, I can only see Newcastle winning. And you know what? So that I'm going to say Newcastle four, Leicester one. Oh, what a fixture we! What a selection of games we have going on there. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's going to be really good. Uh, kind of couple of games. Everything is on the line for so many teams. One of the we fixtures are nearly this upcoming there. game week. One of the fixtures in this upcoming game week, um, which you read out, was uh, Palace versus Fulham, and I just thought, as much as that could be a high-scoring game because both teams are very safe. I was like, is that actually going to be a fun one to predict when nothing actually matters? So yeah. I, I stayed away I stayed away from that as a game for us to predict. So um yeah, we'll wait and see how all those play out in the upcoming game week. And well, that is the end of episode 33 of the other 14 podcast. Please join us again next week where we'll be looking back on well, game week 37 of the Premier League and with one game Looking ahead left, to the final where week. It all, where it all counts a big... It'll be a big countdown special. So looking forward to that. But no, Tom, thank you very much for joining me on this week's episode. You're welcome. Welcome back to myself. Yes. <laughs> and thank you to everyone for downloading and listening to this episode and persevering with the pod while Tom was away. Um, please subscribe to us and give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Also, do recommend us to your friends, family, and other 14 fans. So, it's a goodbye from me. And finally, it's a goodbye from me. And we'll see you next week on the Other 14 podcast.